Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome in, everybody. Ethan here. Mike here. Welcome to the Blue Note Podcast, your one-stop shop for all things blues. It's episode number 19. It is the Jay Bomeister episode. I've been waiting to be able to get here to this one. 17 years in the NHL. 1,240 games played, 424 points while averaging over 24 minutes of ice time per game throughout his career. Episode number 19, without a question, goes to the Stanley Cup champion, Jay Bomeister. Yeah, there was uh, there was no other option. Just uh, the impact and the the role that he played in really getting Colton Pareko being alongside him in a spot that we haven't really seen him since the 2019 mm-hmm. Stanley Cup. That's a, a big factor here. And yep. uh, he was a high draft pick. Took him a while to be able to play ser- like serious games, you know, uh, important games in the playoffs. Took him a while to get to that point, but when he comes to St. Louis, he does that and uh, eventually wins the cup. Obviously, it ended in a way that that was very unfortunate with yes. how his career ended. Um, yep. But the Blues got a lot of great years out of him. And it's. I think the fans will always appreciate him. And uh, yeah, there was no doubt that episode nineteen had to be Jay Bomeister. Yep, absolutely. And for this episode, before we get into it, I'd like to thank the listeners. Remind you to hit that subscribe button, whatever it may be, so you don't miss a single episode of the Blue Note Podcast. You can give us a five star rating if you love what we're doing. Leave us a comment. Get involved with the conversation over on Twitter at TBN Pod. Share the podcast on social media so other Blues fans can find us as well. Uh, Mike, what do we have for this episode? We're talking some fantasy hockey here today. We're going to take a small little pivot, take a small little note from uh, from Mr. Ross Geller and pivot. Yes. And we're going to do and talk fantasy hockey. So I know, you know, we've had a couple of different fans ask us, you know, if we're going to discuss fantasy hockey. And um, it's not something that I really wanted to discuss. You know, I'm, I'm, Trust me, I I love fantasy hockey, but that's not really primarily like what we want to focus in here on this podcast. But you know what? This is a good time to discuss some fantasy hockey, especially from a Blues perspective. So we are going to talk here with um, TJ from the Five Hole Fantasy Podcast, and we'll really just break down some Blues coverage from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, it was a good conversation with him, uh, just discussing a lot of the different ins and outs and on, you know, how the Blues roster is viewed going into this season, some certain players that could make a big impact. Uh, also talk a little bit about some real hockey stuff as well. Got a little shout-out for for Chuck Fletcher, so that was good uh, to talk about that guy as the uh, GM of the Flyers, as he is a – TJ is a Flyers fan, so we talked about that for a minute. And, uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Obviously, when it's the off season, you're going to be doing a lot of different – you know, interviews and such. Uh, we've tried to, to cover that ground and we're going to continue to do so with the summer series coming up. So uh, yeah, it was a good interview with him. And uh, I guess yep. if we don't have anything else to say. I'll just throw it over to him now. Uh, here is TJ from the Five Hole Fantasy Podcast who joined us to talk all things fantasy hockey. 
All right, Blues fans, welcome on in here. We have a very, very special guest. We are, again, talking some fantasy hockey here today, something that we really never do, and it's uh, really just kind of a nice little change of pace. So please welcome Sir TJ from the Five Hole Fantasy Podcast. TJ, how's it going? Chilling today, guys. Like I said, I got it's the end of the night. Kids are in bed. Doesn't get much better talking hockey. Good to meet you guys. That's an awesome man. Yeah, thanks so much here for being able to uh, to be able to join us here. So, um, for some of the fans here, give some uh, some background here, just like on the podcast. You know, when and where did you guys really get up and started? So we got three hosts now. Raj joined a little bit late, but uh, originally it was just me and Zach, and we worked mm-hmm. together. Uh, you know full-time both of us were were chefs he was the executive chef i was his sue so i don't know if you guys know anything about kitchen life but uh yeah. your your work family that you see them more than your family so me and zach yes. were together close to 60 hours a week every <sighs> single night man we would pop on the radio we're listening to hockey games both of us are flyers fans and it didn't matter who was playing we were just any game that was on we were listening to it love so it we started started a fantasy hockey league with the rest of the guys in the kitchen uh, you know, we were listening to Keeping Carlson, Left Wing Lock had a had a podcast back in the day, uh, Roto Hockey Show, um, and we said, you know, screw it, like let's get a microphone, let's do it, and here we yeah. are. I think six, seven years later, still going for wow. it, and that's that's it. Gotta love it. So, are you guys still in the uh, in the whole kick cooking industry here at this point, or? Oh boy, I mean, we're gonna need three Zoom calls, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I. I so I got out of the cooking and uh, the restaurant industry back in February uh, to make a okay. long story short. Uh, they they offered me a raise, but uh, advertised it with a lot more hours. So it was like 8% raise for 15% more hours. And I looked them dead in the eyes. If you guys can tell me this isn't a pay cut, you know, yes. confidently, uh, I'll stay. But otherwise, I got to go. So yeah. that was that. And you know, you're just burnt out, man. It's I've been yeah. in the restaurants for 17 years. It's it's nice to sit down for a minute. No, I completely get it here. So how long have you guys, I mean, is it like lifelong hockey fans that you guys have been here at this point? Or, you know, like what's uh, what's some background here for you guys? How long have you guys been fans? Well, I, I, gosh, I hate to admit this on air, but uh, I, I, I was born in Jersey. So I started getting into the Devils uh, until I was eight. We moved in 98. And, I mean, it's um, fair. That's a good time for him to be Devils fans. You know, some some good reasons. Oh man, yeah. I mean, we were very casual. My dad is a, uh, you know, football and baseball were his things. Vikings, Mets, okay. those were our teams. Um, and he didn't really have a hockey team. So as an eight year old kid growing up, you know, finding yourself as a teenager and things like that, I, you know, we we always were close around sports, our family, but hockey was the one thing that I got to pick. Right. So we moved to Pennsylvania. Um, in 98 and the flyers that was the team that was around here so i kind of i latched onto the flyers that was my own choice and i was very proud of it you know this is mine and you know dad you can be a devil's fan if you want but uh you know i like the flyers this is this is my new home right so um i want to say well i'm 32 now so close to 20 years that i've been like really into it yeah yeah that's awesome that's been that actually lines up pretty well with like the same time frame for like for me and the blues here at this point. You know, it was my dad that really got me in here, like in on the blues. And um, it was actually about the same time frame that TJ Oshie, David Perron, you know, that whole 
young wave here of blues players were really kind of coming in that really, really, that was like the dead almost obsession here yeah. at that point, you know, kind of was a, a casual fan here before that, but it was that new wave of players. I think that really got me up and going here with it. The, so the crescendo, if you will. Yes. Yep. You got it. So you're a Flyers fan and <laughs> yeah, don't judge. Me. I'd, I'd like to know <laughs> your thoughts on the current team. Cause they, I mean, the, the Flyers have been a very, I guess, controvert, like the outside perspective of the Flyers is, is pretty, pretty severe around the league. I think for, a lot of people, but like, how do you view them right now? There's a saying here in Philadelphia, nobody hates the Flyers more than Flyers fans. So <laughs> like, if you know, if you think the Penguins are our rivals, no, it's, it's us. We're our own rivals. And, and Chuck Fletcher at this point, man, we're, we're at the end of our ropes. Um, Ethan loves Chuck Fletcher so, so much. <laughs> why? I mean, that guy is probably the worst executive in the league. I mean, it's not even close. And the other thing, the other thing is like, I'm appreciative of like some of the moves. I mean, Braden Shin, I thought that was a good deal for the blues, but uh, yeah, I don't, I can't believe that that guy still has a job. I gotta be honest. I just feel like when you make that many stupid moves and that many mistakes, I feel like it's just, it's insane that you still have a job. I, I just don't understand it at all. Like, how do you, how do you view the, the Johnny Gaudreau thing? Uh, what do you mean that the fact that we were completely Just out like, of it? Like the fact that the Flyers, it seemingly didn't want to give up anything uh, in a in a JVR trade to move his money off and then try for for Goudreau. Well, I think what scared him off was the prices of the JVR trade, and you see what's yeah. what's happening to the the cost to you know dump salary at this point. And next year being the draft that it's supposed to be, I think maybe he was. <laughs> and you know, you you think about it. Uh, little bit of future hindsight like he's probably not going to be here next year at least yeah. we're hoping like why mm-hmm. not trade that 21 23 first or whatever but uh i don't know the way that the team is built right now i'm i'm kind of happy we didn't get johnny uh that that money is going to be around for a long time obviously he's a great player and it is what it is but you know with chuck fletcher at our back we have a pretty good shot at a uh at a lottery pick next year so i'm yeah i'm happy to be there and what do we got we got uh you know, Tony D'Angelo hit the defensive stalwart that he is. It's um, <laughs> yeah. There's gonna be a lot of goals scored on us, so feeling well, bad for Carter Hart. Yeah, that's a tough one, uh, no doubt. Um, so let's let's shift over to the Blues and their fantasy uh hockey perspective of of this season. So they lose David Perron. Obviously, was a a big scorer for that. I don't, I don't know if I'd say big scorer, but a very solid, steady scorer over the last few seasons. Uh, but they still have a lot of twenty goal scorers. Returning, who do you think will be the uh, biggest benefactor from the departure of Perron? I'm putting my money on uh, Pavel Buchnevich at this point. Like, I think he has the sneakiest upside when it comes to fantasy drafts. And if we're just talking, you know, I want to tie it in with with regular hockey for your listeners too. But I think Buchnevich has point per game potential at this point. He was, came very close. If he didn't hit it last year, what what did he have? Um, I mean. He was what two points short, if I'm remembering correctly, at this point. I you think so. Pretty close. Let me go yeah. take a look here for you. Seventy six. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was very close. So, uh, I've completed my projections. I got him like smack dab at point per game. Um, I'm looking at like seventy nine, seventy nine, and seventy nine. Uh, what yeah, I he think was, he was seventy six and seventy three here last year. So okay. So I, I think we're gonna get a repeat at that rate. Um, mm-hmm. I love the the biggest. 
loss about Perron is his power play presence. You look at uh, the power play threat over the last three years, only McDavid and Dreisaitl are more effective on the power play than David Perron. So with that, you need a lot of guys to step up on the power play. Buchnevich, uh, I'm hoping is going to be that guy. I'm, I, like I said, I'm, I'm putting my money there. And he was, I think it was sixth in terms of time on ice per game. Yeah, sixth behind Shen, Riley, O'Reilly, Tarasenko, and Perron. So that was, mm-hmm. you know, technically your your top power play unit, but only 10 seconds per game uh, separated Shen and Buchnevich. So you subtract Perron from that situation. That's another 30-ish seconds that's going to go, hopefully, to Buchnevich. I know a lot of people are uh, putting Robert Thomas on that top power play unit. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't know if he shoots enough. Like, I, I know he's a great distributor, but he hasn't hit two shots a game yet. And I think that's the kind of threat that you want on a power play like this. Uh, you know, you got guys like Ryan O'Reilly that can dish the puck. Tory Krug is a great visionary. Um, I just, I don't see a fit there for Robert Thomas on the top power play. So I think moving Buchnevich up to the, you know, pretty much just slot him in where Perron was last year. And I think we can tack on another five, 10 points on his totals. Yeah. Yeah. I think he'd be big. I think that's probably one of the biggest things that fans here, definitely around St. Louis would agree is that Thomas just does not shoot the puck enough. And if you watch him, He's got a wicked shot. He really does. And, you know, nobody scores 20 goals here by accident. So it's something that I would really, really love to see from Robert Thomas. Me personally, I'm going to say that Jordan Cairo is going to end up taking a large step, especially here on that power play. But, you know, we'll have to be able to see what's going to end up happening. Um, So let's talk some risers and fallers. You guys have, you know, from, from what I've been hearing, may or may not be as high here on Robert Thomas as a potential like regressing candidate. You know, who are, who are some potential candidates here then for some regression this season? I think you're spot on from at least my perspective. I don't know if I, you know, I can't talk for Zach or Raj at this point, but I'm looking at Robert Thomas, his secondary assists, 21 of his 57 assists were secondary. So a lot mm-hmm. of us in the fantasy community kind of attribute that more to a, to a luck based stat. And again, you're spot on with how efficient his shot is, but the, the quantity isn't there with the quality for his almost 18% shooting percentage at this rate. And, you know, typically that falls in a range between 10 and 12. So that's another knock against him is 20 goals, uh, you know, big chunk of that 77 point season. There's just, there's a couple red flags here with Robert Thomas that, you know, 77 points in 72 games you put the over under at point per game i might be closer to betting and i don't want to make any enemies in st louis here but i, <laughs> I, I might bet the under just looking at you know the sustainability stats here um and also I think, like i think it's fair to to, to be completely fair it, there is a bias personally for me with robert thomas so like we've been betting on him as a sleeper for for three years and this year before the like this past season I was like, I'm over Robert Thomas. He's not a sleeper. It's never going to happen. And then he goes out and he gets above point per game. So I'm, I'm a little salty, yeah. a little jaded there that he did that. No, to me, so I get that. Well, let's actually, you know, that's actually a great thing. So do you see any other sleepers that are potentially on the blues here right now that we could say, mm, keep an eye here on him? Sleepers. Um, I. It's hard to say, like. St. Louis, from a fantasy perspective, is just very. Ed, they're at face value. I, I think Kiru, yes. um, Kiru might be my biggest, and that's simply because 
you know, a lot of people are going to be like, oh, I don't know if it was real last year, but yeah. I, I've combed through all of Kiru's stats and he's surprisingly sustainable. A lot of yes. the stats that I have that, you know, he gets that kind of green flag for me. And mm-hmm. with with the departure, you know, if he does get top power play role, if he does get some of those David Braun minutes, man, like that, that could be huge to his totals. Um, I, I don't want to excite anybody or get anybody's hopes up, but I got him for over point per game at this point. Like I, I've got him for 77 points in 75 games. So him and Bushnevich, yeah. I, I like those two guys to go over point per game at this rate. Um, I think there's a shot Ivan Barbashev could break out a little bit, but oh. it's it's hard to say because he's the same he's in the same boat as uh Robert Thomas with this high shooting percentage yeah. here. So I get real worried. Yeah, I get real worried about Ivan Barbashev. And we've said here before in the podcast before that, honestly, right now, if you can sell, sell, sell on Ivan Barbashev, you know, his his stock value is not going to be any higher here than what it actually already is at this point. Um, Cairo and I've I've made this joke here before with you, like in the chat, you know, there's on on the podcast, there was Cairo, Kiru and Karu that were all (laughs) named here. I, I love it. I mean, it's almost like Elliot Friedman, you know, with its Petrangelo, Peter Angelo and Detroit. You know, yeah. Yes. Oh, man. Um, Kyra, he's going to be an interesting one. You know, it's it's crazy to think, you know, a guy who scored 27 goals and 75 points in 74 games is a potential breakout or a sleeper candidate here. Rather, you know, it's it's crazy to think that he could be a sleeper status at this point. Well, I think a lot of people are going to be betting on negative regression. So okay. maybe they're they're fading him a little bit. Um, when you find yourselves in you know a fantasy uh, draft, you find that right wings they dry up really quickly. So I, I don't yeah. know if if Kairu is that right? Am I getting it right? Okay. Yeah. My instinct was Kiru, uh, yes. but yeah, Kairu. So I think he gets drafted at value, but I think he the return on investment there is going to be positive. So you you might get him at value on draft day, but I think he pays dividends. I'm going to give you a yeah. uh, a tin foil hat one here. Oh, do it. It's, it's either Justin Falk or Scott Perunovich, and it's because I don't buy Tory Krug on the top power play. You guys Ooh, follow yep. this team a lot more than I do, but yep. uh, I just I don't buy it. Like, I, yeah. Right now, for me, my biggest, you know, the Blues, as you said, you know, they don't really have a lot of breakout sleepers. I mean, like what you see is what you get here this year. You know, they're still in their Stanley Cup window. They've got a lot of really good talent here right up front. And there's not a lot of room for some of these like young prospects or anything else here at this point. And the biggest one here for me is going to be Perunovic. And from what he has shown in the AHL and what he has shown from his limited time in the regular season and in the postseason, boy, he's looked good. He has looked real good. So I think if anybody is going to potentially be a sleeper and or breakout candidate, um, which could be able to be both, in my opinion, it would be Scott Perunovich. He wound up taking the reins on the power play while Krug was down with while injury. Krug was he? out. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's, you know, that's that's a flare in the air if you've ever seen one. Yep. And that's one, you know, I think a lot of fans, they want to be able to see a guy like Marco Scandella moved out, um, which is rightfully so. But in my opinion, you have a bit of redundancy here between size and skill of Tori Krug and Scott Perunovich. You know, you don't need both players to 
to play the same game. You know, you want to be able to have that transition game here for Scott Perunovich that he can be able to come in and he can be, again, slowly groomed here to the NHL game. But at the same point in time, you don't need Tory Krug's $6.5 million cap hit. And you can't be able to be successful moving forward here with it. So Tory Krug may need to be the guy that's approached to waive his no movement clause and get traded away. There's plenty of teams that would love him. Plenty yes. of teams that need him. Yep. Yeah, that's what I think. Are there any other, do you think, like breakout players, anything else here at this point? Or, you know, we pretty much maxed out. Yeah, it's it's really tough to say. Like, I feel like St. Louis is a, is a bunch of 70-point guys. Where mm-hmm. you know they're they're almost a Montreal on steroids. So Montreal is like forty to fifty point guys. Yeah, it's, it's another level on top of that. And there's a very comfortable floor and a very unimpressive ceiling. But it's it's going to get you where you need to go. The depth on this team is incredible. You don't need to lean on one line too much. And and typically that's how breakout players or very valuable fantasy players goes is is when there's no depth you lean on that top line a little bit more they get 22 minutes a night they're getting mm-hmm. all the power play time that's when you get those patrick kane seasons and uh lucas raymond that's how you end up getting, i mean granted you know you got a guy in like lucas raymond who had a ton of skill here in detroit but goodness you know he was in a really good situation here too where he had a great breakout season this year and it's tough projecting him because they they went out and bought a second line. So, mm-hmm. you know, where do those minutes go? Now you got Verona, Cop, and, you know, Perron. So does he lose minutes? Does the bottom six lose minutes? Big question marks there. Yep, absolutely. Let's uh, let's shift here over to Bennington. Uh, just thoughts Ooh. on him this season. Are we looking at a flash in the pan performance over his last few weeks or into the and into the playoffs from last season? Or should we ex- be expecting good things from him this year? Good things to me and good things to you are going to be different. Good things to me from a fantasy <laughs> perspective is just lots of shots against lots of games. Yeah. Um, you know, we're looking for that volume and I think he's going to get it. I, I don't have the most confident pulse on Joel Hofer. I hope I'm getting that name right. Mm-hmm. Um, or I guess you guys got Grice, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a sore subject around St. Louis. <laughs> hey, hey, we, tr- we didn't re-sign Martin Jones and our team got worse. So just, just no. That it, uh, you could be the Flyers. <laughs> yep. When yep. when Martin Joan moves on and uh, your team gets worse, you know I th- I do think Bennington is going to see at least fifty starts this year, and and he is getting a bit faded when it comes to drafts. He's um you know there's this movement going around called zero G, which if you know fantasy football, there's the zero RB. If you don't get one of the best running backs, you wait until just about the end of the draft, and the return on investment with goalies is kind of tough from a fantasy perspective and and Bennington seems to find himself you know in the double digit rounds so he's he's definitely given value at that rate and Grice hasn't been a shared net kind of goalie in a few years so I think it's Bennington or bust at this rate I was kind of hoping you guys could tell me if he was a flash in the pan or not (laughs) um we've seen every shade of Bennington and and we've seen more shades than we care to sometimes throwing punches and whatnot but uh Mm -hmm. you know he he's a he's a passionate guy, right? So he wants to win games. He's gonna hopefully like he's gonna do everything he can, I think, to to find the zone and and try and stay there. Um, that Huso thing last year, how Huso kind of became the one A uh, mm-hmm. in spite of Bennington, that might have put a chip on his shoulder. And I think, again, from an outside perspective, I think Bennington plays his best with a chip on his shoulder. So that that could be a yes. really good thing for him 
going into this year. Um, he's one of my targets just because I don't like picking goalies early. So Bennington is somebody I've got kind of earmarked uh, from a fantasy lens. Hopefully no, none of your uh, hockey league teammates, you know, at least be able to hear some of that strategy. Uh, Ethan, you know, what do you think? Let's, let's pick your brain here really fast. Are we going to be able to see a Bennington of last season or are we going to see more of him from, um, you know, last we'll say five, six games and then like into the postseason? You know, what do you think? He has nobody to push him. That's like, I mean, that's just, that's something that, that TJ brought up. It's like, it, who's going to, like Thomas Grice is not going to make him nervous that he's going to lose his job or, or get less starts. Like that's not going to happen. So but, that's certainly. But Bennington's never nervous. Bennington's never nervous. So let's, let's, <laughs> he, let's he throw did, that out there. He did say that. That is fair. Um, But I, I, I just, I feel like we're probably at the point now where he's just going to be like a middle of the, the pack starter. Like, I don't think he's going to be a top 10 starter. I think he'll be anywhere from like 13 to 17, because I just don't think that he is, you know, as good. And and part of the problem as well, and this could help from a fantasy perspective, is that the Blues defense is not that good, like defensively. Like they're going to let in a lot of shots or give up a lot of chances with some of the the players that they have on in that uh, on the back end. So I think that's going to, you know, hurt Bennington in terms of an actual hockey perspective. But from a fantasy perspective, I think that that'll allow his numbers to be good if he's playing well. But like I said, there's nobody to push him. There's nobody to make him feel like he might not be the 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 number one guy. Uh, but I don't really think the Blues had an option. Like they weren't going to pay Vili Huso. So I'm not going to blame them for bringing in Thomas Grice. I just don't think it's a good choice because I think Grice is, is bad. Well, if, if, you know, if I can come in and I'm going to try and, you know, make you feel a little bit better what the blues are bad at uh bennington's good at uh huso was a lot better his high danger save percentage was uh third in the league amongst starters whereas uh, bennington's 11th and uh st louis has given up a lot of high danger chances against so what you can hang your hat on at least at this rate is you know bennington's really good at what st louis is bad at so mm-hmm. hopefully that that can kind of buoy his his overall stats yeah yeah, so uh, it's it's going to be really interesting to be able to see because I think that a lot of the Blues season is going to hinge on the performance of Jordan Bennington here this season. You know, if if he starts out really well, I think it's going to bode well for the entire season. If he flops right here at the beginning, I I don't see him really kind of coming out of it quickly, at least. And like you said, there's not really anybody to be able to push him. So, you know, you're just going to be able to hand the reins over to Jordan or um, – Thomas Grice and just be able to hope for the best. So I I, I have no idea. We'll we'll just see. So yeah, I don't I don't see that one. <laughs> yeah. All right. So fantasy purposes, pull let's let's pull the audience here. Who would be your number one blues player off the board? I think it's between two two people. It's it's either Tarasenko or it's Jordan Cairo. Sorry. I almost went back to my <laughs> it's old. It's gonna ways. be a bad habit. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna Make an honest effort, though. Um, <laughs> I like Tarasenko. I mean, both these guys are right wings, and uh, I've already kind of uh, gone over how thin things get for right wing. Um, and just based on this, the stats that we're looking for, shots, goals, power play points, these are the two guys that you kind of want to key in on um, that are going to do the most damage in your fantasy leagues. Is is I would take Tarasenko first, uh, just mm-hmm. personally, and then Kiru kind of, Kairu kind of, uh, looking at him a little bit later, but both these guys should be up upwards of 25 goals. And um, one thing that 
Tarasenko does is he just plasters shots. So you're looking at like 200 plus shots from him, uh, all things go well. And Kiru, Kairu, yeah, it's it's he's going to get it one day. Long time with Kiru. He's going to get it one day. Yeah, I I agree here with you. I think Tarasenko is going to be the number one here off the board as far as Blues players here go. Just I mean, simply for all of those reasons, um, I don't think that you're going to see Robert Thomas that far behind him, especially like in a uh, in a categories league where he can be able to take and win here like a lot of face-offs. And if he's going to be able to, to rack up 70-plus points, he's he's going to really be able to get up there. And it's just going to really depend on if he can be able to put up a, even just a few more shots here per game. You know, anything here like that, I think Robert Thomas is going to be a great value. So, all right. Let's see here. Ethan, what's next, buddy? So, if you look at the team – as of right now and the talent on the roster, are there any, like, do you, when you look at this roster, do you see any spots where you say, okay, that's a big hole that needs to be fixed? Not necessarily. I think, you know, the team looked a lot better with David Perron. Uh, you, you're starting to get away from the top nine that I thought St. Louis had like Logan Brown kind of sticks out like a sore thumb a little bit here uh, on your third line. But other than that, like this is still a, an incredibly deep team. Um, Nola Shari is my favorite fourth line center in the league. So you, you've got him pretty well there on your fourth line. Um, but it, it does seem a little more top six heavy than it was last year. Mm-hmm. So if you're looking at a top line of Buchnevich, Thomas, Tarasenko, Saad, Riley, Kiru, Kairu as your second line, um, you know, that's, that's, that's your top six where last year Perron bumped everybody down and gave you more of a top nine look. So, Maybe we're seeing more Tom and Ice for this top six. Yeah, I think I think part of part of the issue will be kind of just the depth that they decide with because there's a lot of choices to make for the bottom six. Like there's a ton of different options that and routes that they could go, uh, and I kind of worry that they're going to maybe make a couple of the wrong choices. But I do really really like Achari on the fourth line. I think that'll work well. I think a big question will be who goes with Barbashev and Shin. Like I don't, I'm not convinced that Logan Brown's going to be playing when the season starts like I'm not I don't love that idea because I don't think that if if he's not going to play center I don't really want him on the wing I, I'd like the talent but I don't know if I see him being a guy that that I would want in the lineup right away so well, left side left side of the defense too is a little bit uh yeah right right it's, side it's, is it's really clogged strong. yeah it's the, clogged the left side is is clogged it's it's massively clogged you know i mean if you think about you know you've got tory krug nick letty you know those are going to be your bona fide your bona fide number one and number two whether you know however that they decide to, to line them up then you've got a mixture of perunovic scandela and nico mikola you know what do you what do you do i mean at that point like yeah you want to be able to play scott perunovic Absolutely. But then you again, you start running the risk here of redundancy here between Tori Krug and Scott Perunovich, where you need a little bit of that size and grit and the sandpaper here, like a Nico Mikula can be able to provide. But then you've also got some of the veteran experience, you know, whether however that you want to, be able to, to classify it really here as with Marco Scandella. So, I mean, somebody's got to go at some point, somebody's got to be able to go. For me, one of the biggest holes is going to be on that right wing side. You know, especially if they were to look to move and, and not to be able to kind of tease, you know, here a little bit, but um, especially if and when Tarasenko would be moved, 
that left that right wing side all of a sudden looks whoa what happened yeah, yeah it does <laughs> so um yeah so right wing i think would just be you know here for me well i one thing that i wonder is like are we going to see some 11 7 like you want to have perunovic in there but you also don't want to have you know him playing on that third pair the whole time with with Bortuzzo. I don't know how good that would work out, especially when you have, you know, I don't you think that there's going to want to be an opportunity to have another defenseman other than Krug on the other than Krug and Perunovic on the power play. Like I think mm-hmm. they're going to want to have Falk on there for for some points of the of the season. They're going to want to have maybe, maybe Pareko, even though I don't think he, I think he's too scared to to shoot uh, from the point. So I don't for whatever reason. Yeah, he might <sighs> he might kill somebody. So I mean, I don't know. I think that there's there's definitely questions there, and I, I they did a lot of eleven seven last season, and I almost wonder if they're going to do that again because it's been very silent. Like mm-hmm. Scandell is still here. I'm assuming the Blues probably don't want to depart with a second or third round pick to move that contract, but at some point you just got to do it. They're not going to buy him out because they don't do that. Uh, Mikula probably just going to be a depth guy, a press box guy, and then playing sometimes. Uh, Perunovic, you have to play. So I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with that, and uh, we'll see the choices that they make. So with this team, do you view them as a playoff team, or do you see some possible regression and potentially missing the playoffs? Because I think a big part of this is how the Central performs. I don't think there's any sort of guarantees with any of the teams in the Central other than Colorado. So how do you view that for the blues? They're going to make the playoffs. Yeah. That's, you know, I, there's no real way around it. This is still a very good team. Um, I think Nashville over the the course of the off season is kind of, they've treaded water. Um, mm-hmm. The central is a very good division and that's, that's something that needs to be said. And, and there's not so much of a, there's not a buzz about it. Like the Atlantic, it's all the love in the world, but um, one thing you guys do have going for you is Chicago and Arizona is pretty much a non-factor. Yep. So yep. there's a there's a 66 percent chance that you guys make it in just as a by default almost. Like you really you got to beat out maybe Dallas and Nashville. Who and actually to be honest with you, I don't love Rick Bonus with Winnipeg. So um, you know Winnipeg might be quote unquote bottom of the division if we're not counting Chicago and Arizona at this rate. But yeah, I got I got you guys firmly in there. I was thinking even here last season, if it wasn't for Billy Huso, that the Blues may not have even made the playoffs. Now I mean again I could I could be off, but because we don't know what it would have been like having Jordan Bennington be able to take all those reps and if he could be able to find find his swagger all over again, you know, a lot quicker or you know what have you. But Boy, it really did not look good whenever Bennington here was in net. I mean, it was almost night and day difference at times between Billy Huso and Jordan Bennington here in net. It was a perfect so, storm for Huso. You know, he, he was yes. playing well at the same time Bennington was kind of flopping. So, you know, he got himself paid, but Bennington, he doesn't have Huso anymore. So he's going to have to be right. the guy. Uh, and like we've said a few times on the show is it's Bennington or bust. So it's going to be it's going to ride on his back pretty, pretty heavily, but I think the offense can outscore any real deficiencies that there might be. Yeah. And one of those scores has been heavily, heavily rumored the last couple of seasons. 
about potentially being dealt, about staying, about, you know, what have you. Tarasenko, if we had to be able to put money on, you know, whatever that you want to, be able to any sort of phrase that you want to, be able to use here, do you think Vladimir Tarasenko, from an outside perspective, do you think he is traded at the deadline or not? No. No, I don't think he does. Uh, my bet was New Jersey. They they yeah. since went and got uh, Andre Plot, so I think they've shored up what they were hoping to do on the wings. Mm-hmm. What I would watch, and you know, Tom Dundon said that they're done shopping, but Patchetti's out until you know February ish. I wonder because now oh, they have a little bit of money. That's I what wonder. I said. Yep. But but what what has me still betting the no here is what you said about right wing. It's ugly without Tarasenko there. So. I, I don't know what the status of is of his trade request, whether he rescinded it or not. I didn't hear anything um, otherwise. So I think it's still active, mm-hmm. but I think they hold on to him. You got to it's, um, you know, I think based on the season they have, we'll see what happens at the trade deadline. If they're ready to kind of bow out, put their tail between their legs. If, you know, if they're a 500 team at the trade deadline and they get a good offer for him, I could see that happening, but I don't think this mm-hmm. is a 500 team. Even if even if Bennington is is league average, which to me is his floor, um, I think yeah. this is still this is still a playoff team. Yeah, it's been rumored here right now that if they do move him, that the Blues would want a top six forward here in return, and which which makes all the sense in the world. And I was looked at as if I was crazy because when Pacioretty here went down, I said that the Blues could potentially offer a trade that would be a a win-win scenario where they could trade them to Carolina. Now, the the Hurricanes here, rather, would need to move out, again, a top six forward. And so I proposed Teravainen coming Mm -hmm. back. And I know that there are a lot of people who said, I don't think they would ever move him. And I, I just looked at him and said, look, I'm not saying it's going to be a straight one for one and the blues may need to do something to help out that deal. But you look at the salary cap swing, you look, I mean, there's a couple of different things that they could be able to do that would really entice Carolina to make that deal. So I I think what about Martin Nietzsche's he's on the fourth line right now, you know, projected if we're using daily face off, Um, you know, Rod Brindamore doesn't seem to favor him at all. And it feels like that experiment's kind of over. Now, born out of necessity, you have he's going back into the top six. So you could be like, okay, yeah, this is a top six forward. I think a Nietzsche's plus could be something that they might look at. Like if it's a Nietzsche's in a second round pick, I, I think that's something that turns a couple heads. Nietzsche's is somebody that I, I feel c- could benefit from a change of of uh, scenery here. So Teravinen, I, I think I might side with the people that disagreed with you that it might be uh, it might be hard to move him out. Because that duo of of Teravainen and Aho, um, I know they're they're kind of favoring Jarvis at this rate, but uh, Teravainen, I think he's top thirty five in assists since uh, Aho came in the league. So that's a really good yin and yang that that I don't think they yeah. want to break up. We'll, we'll take Seth Jarvis then. I think that would be you know it's okay. <laughs> with me. I'll take him. What else are you guys offering then? You know, I think that if, they, if they if they want to come I, to the table, then I I'm willing to they, talk. If they want Clem Costin, I guess I could part ways with Clem Costin. I, that, I guess you guys are done with him. Is he I'm. I I do not want him anymore. I don't think that his first round value is even close to becoming fulfilled. And 
I think he I think he tops out here maybe as like a, a fourth liner. Mm. And I just don't think he can be able to bring it. Now he may prove and I hope he proves me wrong. And you know, maybe he pulls an Ivan Barbashev at the age of like 26 and all of a sudden just becomes like a 60 point scorer and fantastic, you know, good for him. But um boy, I they needed to move on here from him two years ago. Well, part of it part of it is the franchise is like it, it's the organization is somewhat at fault, I think, for Costin, just because like the opportunity hasn't been great. Like when he's playing, he's playing sheltered bottom six minutes. Like he's never really and that's part of it is just because they're so deep. Like they never really needed to have him in the top six. So I think that's a big factor. Sometimes when you have this much organizational depth, it becomes a situation where some players get left behind or don't get the opportunities that they deserve. And I think Costin is essentially one of those guys. So I think that's the biggest problem there. Maybe a little Carter Verhage magic. If he gets a top six role, then you get a uh, top six player. True. That's true. Yeah. Well, cool to see here. So Ethan, anything else here from you? If not, you know, I want to be able to thank TJ here so much for being able to come on and be able to talk some fantasy hockey here with us. Yeah. Thanks for coming on. For sure, boys. Had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, here just as one quick here aside, um, how many leagues here are you in right now? Oh, I don't want to talk about it. I'm I'm literally <laughs> it's embarrassing. I'm I'm drafting for two different new leagues right now. Um, but while I was working that restaurant job, I told you guys at the top of the show, um, working those 70 hours, I had to trim down quite a bit. So last year it was yeah. I was close to uh 20. Uh, I have tri- since Holy trimmed down cow. to uh, single digits and I'm adding two okay. more. So, um, you know, I've, okay. I've been stay at home dad for a few months. I think I can handle it. Yeah. Um, my wife got me a, a interview with American airlines. So I'm hoping I can be a flight attendant and, uh, you know, just travel the world and play fantasy hockey. Oh, man. That's a dream. You know, Hey, I always appreciate frequent flyer miles, you know, anything else, you know, <laughs> if you want to be able to sneak me on here or something like that, I would greatly appreciate it. But well, if you're ever on my flight, I'll get you some free drinks. Awesome. Awesome. TJ, again, I greatly appreciate you being able to come on here. Um, just again here for the fans, where can we be able to find you and uh, and your partners? So we, if there are fantasy hockey fans out there, we've got uh, one of the best, in my opinion, the best fantasy hockey discord. I think it's it's closing in on 1600 members. So if if you guys want, uh, you know, there's a channel for everything. If, if you need somebody to vote on a trade, you can go to that channel. If you're looking to join a league, we got a channel for that. If you made something pretty cool for breakfast. We got a channel for that too. So fantasy hockey discord um, on Twitter. We're at FHF hockey for the five hole fantasy hockey podcast. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts. That's awesome. Awesome, man. Well, again, greatly, greatly appreciate it here. Best of luck with the, uh, the interview. Hopefully you can be able to land an awesome job here like that. Just be able to travel around, be able to play some fancy hockey and um, hey, get paid just... to take, get away from the kids for a day or two. Yes. My my yep. wife was in Aruba and Montego Bay this weekend. So not uh, oh to say gosh. I'm jealous would be an understatement. But oh, uh man. yeah, thanks, boys. Yep. All right. Greatly appreciate it, bud. Take care. Thank you to uh TJ from the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Podcast for joining us. It was a great conversation with him. Uh Mike, do you have any takeaways on that? Uh boy, I hope he gets that job because that sounds like the dream. <laughs> <laughs> Seems no, like a TJ, 
Yes. Yeah. TJ, I mean, he's an absolute pro, you know, just love what this guy and, and these guys here be able to bring. So um, if you need some tips, tricks and whatnot here for uh, some fancy hockey, definitely be able to check those guys out. Um, TJ, again, here is just one third here of their podcasts. And, and these guys just do such a good job, such a great analysis. Um, you know, whenever he hung up here with us, he said, you know, he's got about another, what do you say, a thousand players that he's going to end up evaluating and projecting here tonight alone so um true true workhorse and just absolutely love you know his takes yeah it was great uh to have him on the show hopefully reconnect somewhere down the line as well with this podcast so um yeah i guess we got episode 20 coming up we're joined by uh haynes evans arizona coyotes writer for the hockeywriters.com he joined us to talk about the coyotes and kind of what the the future may hold for them and as well as what they're going to be doing up against the blues this season as they're in the central division uh, ever since the Seattle expansion. So it was great to talk with him. We got that coming up on episode 20 and the summer series will continue with the Chicago Blackhawks in episode 21. So we'll continue to do that throughout the rest of the off season as we are uh, less than two months away from the regular season. So we'll see uh, how the season goes, but obviously we'll be here throughout it all. So yeah, make sure to follow the podcast on Twitter at TBN Pod. You can follow the Believe Network as well. That's the, the network that we are under right now. So uh, check that out. And you can follow me on Twitter at Ethan Carter SW. You can follow Mike on Twitter at, at M underscore Meyer 3. And we will see you next time for episode 20 of the Blue Note podcast on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.